Welcome, Morning Church. Great to have you with us this morning. I am going to get into the Word of God, speak to you for a little while, and I want to pray that the Holy Spirit will really touch you today and that God will speak to you and that you will be encouraged, that faith will rise up in your heart as we look at the Word of God together this morning. Um, For those of you that are on Facebook, you will know uh, that there is a little feature on Facebook called Facebook Memories. And uh, what it does is is each uh, time, each day when you go on Facebook, it will remind you of what happened in your Facebook world uh, on that particular day, uh, the, the, the previous year or however many years you've been on Facebook. And last week, um, it came up on my Facebook memories. It said, Andrew, on this day last year, and then there were some photos of me speaking at a church in Southport um, up in the northwest uh, Lakeside Church in in Southport and it was an incredible weekend. I was preaching uh, Sunday morning, Sunday evening. God was really moving. Um, It was, uh, we we just kind of started to uh, hear about uh, the the coronavirus, COVID-19 and so uh, it was uh, was back in the days when all we had to do was wash our hands and so there was hand sanitizer everywhere and uh, we were encouraging people people, uh, you know, don't shake hands with people or anything like that. But other than that, we were gathering together. We were singing loudly. I was doing an altar call, laying hands on people. We had an incredible move of God, particularly that Sunday night service. Uh, people were just drunk in the Holy Spirit. And I remember thinking, wow, we, we, we're really on the verge of just, uh, of just a, a something really special breaking out here. What I had no idea idea was uh, that that was the last time I would be in a normal in-person church service where we could sing, where we didn't have to wear masks, where we could lay hands on people. That was a year um, last week. And of course, since then, everything has changed, including church life. And uh, I don't know about you, but I am incredibly grateful uh, for modern technology. I know sometimes it can be incredibly frustrating, but what would we have done uh, without modern technology? And I just want to give a big shout out to everybody who has helped create the online world that we've lived in, um, in Revive Church over the past year. Uh, Those that have built this incredible set, uh, all our sound and tech people that come in every Sunday morning uh, to help put these services together, all the people that have been responsible for the content, our worship leaders who have come in like Angie has done and just recorded some beautiful worship for us. Uh, We've had some great times, haven't we? Not only on a Sunday morning, but hasn't prayer storm been incredible? It's like there's a little community. Sometimes, uh, you know, I was leading prayer storm on, I think it was Thursday last week. We had 50 plus people Uh, getting up to pray from all over the place on on a Thursday morning at 7 a.m. We've had online refreshes where we've had some incredible guest speakers come in. We've had... um 
Sunday night Zoom calls. We've had uh, Jared's Tribe Encounter Nights. Just so much going on. The church quizzes that we've been doing on Zoom. And by the way, uh, me and my team, we won the last church Zoom quiz. And I don't think that's been mentioned enough. So I'm just putting it out there. I know that I will get my reward in heaven. But, you know, I would like a little bit of praise from, uh, from everyone for that. We beat Darren and Rachel Andrews just. <laughs> so there you go. Um, but you know what? Um, in the midst of all that, uh, we're having to think right now because uh, you know that the, the Prime Minister has announced that the roadmap of the country as we move out of lockdown and hopefully everything's going to go to plan and I can get a haircut real soon. Um, but, you know, we've got to start to think as churches. And I know that uh, that many churches, thankfully, the government have allowed churches to, to carry on opening uh, during this lockdown. Uh, but for many churches, they've not... Not done that for various reasons. Um, for, for us as a, a revive, it's simply a lot of the venues that we would uh, normally hire to hold our Sunday morning services, we've not been able to hire them. Other churches, maybe uh, th there's been a little bit of just uh, kind of uh, more kind of thinking about health and safety and gathering lots of people when infections and hospitalizations were really high and they felt that maybe it was not wise to, to gather together. Other churches, have thought, you know what, while there's all these restrictions with masks and singing and, uh, and, and social distancing, all that kind of thing, uh, we're just going to stay online for the time being. But we are coming uh, to a time now when church leaders all over the country are really beginning to think and pray, um, how do we start to gather together um, on a Sunday morning again? And um, of course, we don't quite know yet what's going to happen with some of these restrictions, like with masks and singing and, uh, and social content, all that kind of stuff. Uh, but nevertheless, um, I think certainly uh, for us as a revived church, I'm sure that in the next couple of weeks, um, Jared is going to be announcing some really uh, positive things going forward about us being able to meet together in person again. I don't think online church is going anywhere. I think the online church is going to continue in some capacity. But the, nevertheless, do pray uh, for your church leader. Pray, pray for our church leaders here in Revive or whatever church you're a part of. Really pray for wisdom, for grace, and for the hand of God to be upon us as we start to gather together in person again in the coming weeks and months. And so um, what I want to do this morning is just look for a few moments. What does the Bible say about gathering together as a church? And um, there's a great scripture here in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. It says this, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. This is Hebrews chapter uh, 10, verse 25. Let me read that again. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day 
approaching. Uh, the writer to Hebrews there is saying, uh, don't get in the habit of not meeting in person as a church. Oh dear, hashtag awkward. Uh, hashtag don't you know there's a pandemic thing going on. Um, I know we've been living, I'm going to say it, that word, unprecedented times. But nevertheless, there is a biblical principle here. Uh, the Bible is telling us, do not get in the habit of not gathering together as the body of Christ. Um, you need to meet together. You need to encourage each other. Um, you know, habits, I don't know about you, but my church habits have got a little bit strange over the past 12 months. Anyone else, has anyone else watched church in their pyjamas at some point over the past uh, past year? You can't get away with that in Winifred Holtby, you really can't. Um, has anyone, has anyone just, you, you've just walked into church, you know, halfway through the message and, and you, you couldn't be bothered. I know some people did that anyway. Uh, but maybe more of us have done that. We've been able to have snacks in church. Maybe you can carry that on um, next time you, uh, we gather in person as a church. Just bring the loudest packet of crisps that you can, you can find and just munch on them all the way through Jared's talk. Uh, you know, speaking of Jared's talk, you know, you, you've been able to heckle the preacher in the past 12 months. You've been able to say, oh, shut up. This is boring. I've heard those jokes before. Not when Jared's preaching of course, maybe some other church that you've been listening to. Or, or if, 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 you, if you don't like the worship, again, I'm not saying you would do this with our online services, but maybe maybe you've happened to, to, to watch some, some other church sometime. You don't like the worship, you can just mute it. Or you know what? I've been in the habit sometimes, don't tell anyone this, I've not watched church on a Sunday. I've watched it on a on a Tuesday night. I've just said, I'm going to watch this, the Sunday service on Tuesday this week. You can do that online. Um, you know what? If you, if you don't like it, you can just, you just turn the TV off. We got into all kinds of weird habits, haven't we? In fact, that would be a great one for the comments section. What are your worst church watching habits in church online? Put that in the comments. But you know what? We got to start to think about creating some new habits over these next few weeks and months. We got to get back into the habit of gathering together in person as a church. And uh, I don't know about you, but part of me actually finds the thought of that um, a little bit exhausting. When, when I think, you know, of getting up, getting ready for church, driving to a church building, kind of part of me thinks, oh my goodness. And also, and I'm not one of these people that, that really COVID has not really dominated my thought life, but nevertheless, it's going to feel a little bit weird, isn't it? Gathering together with loads of people in a building. And of course, um, if there are these restrictions on face masks and talking and singing and all that kind of stuff, it's certainly uh, for a while, uh, and I'm sure that, that will uh, lift eventually, we just don't know when, uh, but, but I'm sure for a while it's going to feel, you know what, this is not really, uh, really church. And yet, when I kind of read scriptures like this in Hebrews, I just feel that the Holy Spirit wanted to stir us a little bit and get our mindset in that, in that, in that, that gear of come on church. We got to start to think that we got to start to gather together. We got to start to be the church once again. 
because we need it. This is what this verse tells us. It says we need it all the more as the day approaches. It's speaking about the day of the Lord or the return of Jesus. It's clear that even some, even in Bible times, had uh, got in the habit of, uh, of not meeting together. They got in the habit of skipping church. And that encourages me a little bit that even in the days of the Apostle Paul and the Apostle John and Peter, there were some people that thought, you know what, not going to bother this morning. And they didn't even have Facebook to watch a meeting on either. Um, but, but the writer here is saying, come on, the closer you get to the return to Jesus, the more you need to gather together as the body of Christ. Why, did, why is it linked with the return of Jesus? Well, I think for a couple of reasons. Firstly, uh, the closer we get to, to the return of the Lord, the world is going to get darker. There is going to be more evil. There is going to be more wickedness. There is going to be more lawlessness. And we are going to need the safety, the refuge, the sanctuary, the protection of gathering together as the body of Christ. A sheep that's on its own is much more vulnerable than, than a sheep that, that, that's together part of the, part of the flock. But also, I believe the closer we get to, to the return of Jesus, I believe there's going to be more glory. I believe there's going to be more harvest. There's going to be more revival. I believe that God is getting ready to pour out his spirit uh, like never before in our nation. And that's why we need to get together because I want to be a part of it. I don't want to miss out on all that God is wanting to do in our generation. Um, for the early church, uh, gathering together uh, was such a priority, something that they were so committed to. Uh, let me read to you um, a couple of verses, if I can find them, from, uh, from the book of Acts. Of course, we, we read right there in Acts 2, don't we, that, that on the day of Pentecost, they were all together in one place. Uh, and again, that's interesting. That there were 120-ish gathered in, in the upper room. It's interesting that there were several hundred people uh, that had seen Jesus after his resurrection. And yet, Many of them are just not bothered to turn up to the upper room prayer meeting. But it was the 120 that gathered in person that encountered the fire of the Holy Spirit. We go on in, in Acts 2.42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. This was something they devoted themselves to. They were committed to it. They were steadfast in it. Um, I sometimes wonder, you know, when I think of the early church, didn't have buildings, persecution. When I think of the church, the underground church in China, right now where, where Christians are meeting together in person with the threat of jail, of torture, even of death. I don't know if sometimes it, of the past year, if we've been really sensitive or just a little bit wimpy, I don't know. But nevertheless, uh, for the church, they devoted themselves to, to gathering together. Um, it says in, in verse, uh, where is it? Verse, um, verse, let me find it. For, yeah, here we go. Verse 46. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They brought bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. So that there's a little bit of a hybrid there. Do you get that? They're still meeting in homes, uh, but they're also gathering together in these public gatherings. Like I said, I don't think online church is going together, uh, going away. I don't think that, that meeting in homes is going to go away. 
away. Um, but nevertheless, there's also that, that meeting together in public as well. And in chapter 5, verse 12, the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders among the people. All the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade. Meeting together, the gathering together, it was something that the early church was so, so passionate about. Uh, Count Zinzendorf, which is an incredible name for a theologian, isn't it? If ever I have to go into witness protection and change my name, I'm going to use the alias Count Zinzendorf. Uh, but this was what he said, there can be no Christianity without community. That is such a biblical principle. And this habit that we've all had of being isolated, doing stuff on Zoom, church, we got to get out of that habit. Even if for, for a while it may be a little bit uncomfortable, some of of us may be a little bit nervous. Um, some of us have got out, have got into the comfort of just sitting in front of a screen. And for some, of course, that are, that are shielding, that are isolated, and all that kind of stuff, you got to keep doing that, for, uh, going that, going that forward. And we'll keep providing you with content. We'll keep putting stuff online. But for the rest of us. We got to recognize I need to be in community. I need to be part of the body of Christ. Again, it says there in Hebrews, encourage one another even as the day approaches. Part of gathering together, it's an encouragement for you. It's an encouragement for me. That word encourage there, it's the, the Greek word uh, parakletio, uh, which is where we get uh, another word paraclete from, which is the word that Jesus used of the Holy Spirit, the encourager. Um, so, so what the Bible is saying there is uh, that I am encouraged by the Holy Spirit in you. And you are encouraged by the Holy Spirit in me. When we gather together, there is a sense of the Holy Spirit at work in me and, and in you that will encourage you, that will encourage me. There is a healing that takes place. There is accountability that takes place. There is a fellowship and a connection and a love and a unity and a part of something that can only take place as we gather together as the body of Christ. There's, there's a beautiful scripture in right at the end of the book of Acts when the apostle Paul has been through a shipwreck. He's taken a real literal battering. And I, I don't know about you, but it feels like we've been in that storm. We've been in that battering over the past 12 months. And of course, we're not out of it yet. Um, but Paul finally arrives in Rome and there's a group of Christians uh, that have heard that Paul's in Rome and they come to meet him. And listen to what it says. This is such a beautiful verse. Uh, the sight of these people, Paul thanked God and was encouraged. Isn't that beautiful? Paul, just seeing the face of another Christian encouraged Paul. You know, the previous chapter, Paul's had an angel turn up. Um, he's had an encounter uh, with an angel. Um, you know, as some of us might, you know, I settle for that. And yet just seeing an ordinary brother or sister in Christ, it encouraged Paul. You know, uh, yeah, I want to see angels. I want encounters with glory. Uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. But you know, there's something just seeing people. It encourages us. It blesses us. Screen to screen is okay. But nothing beats face to face. The word has to become flesh in our lives.
Paul talks in the armor of God about the shield of faith. He says, put on, put up the, take up the shield of faith with which you will extinguish all the fiery darts of the enemy. And you know what? The, the idea is Paul's warning us here. Look, the enemy is going to attack you. The enemy is going to throw all these darts at you. But, but when you've got up the shield of faith, you're going to be safe. You're going to be protected. What's interesting is that when Paul is talking here, of course, he's talking about a Roman centurion. Sometimes, you know, I, I've been guilty of thinking when I've read that passage, I've been thinking of kind of the lone gladiator, Russell Crowe in the arena taking on all the challenges. But actually, Paul here is not thinking of a lone gladiator. He's thinking of a Roman centurion. And the power of the, the shield of the Roman centurion was this, that not only did it protect you, but actually those shields could be linked with the shields of your comrades. And actually, uh, when under attack, those Roman centurions would come together and they would link shields. And so you would hold up your shield and you would link it with the shield to the left, to the shield to the right. Sometimes it would lift shields over the heads and so you would be surrounded on all sides and it made you pretty much invincible as, uh, as the enemy threw his darts at you. Of course, if you separated yourself from the guys on either side of you, you were vulnerable. But as long as your shields were linked together, there was safety, there was protection. What is Paul saying here? He's saying, yes, there is the gift of faith that is so powerful when it's at work in your life. But actually, you need the faith of others. And actually, when our faith comes together, when our faith is joined together, then we are in so much more of a powerful place than when I'm trying to do Christianity on my own. I remember um, a few years ago uh, being in uh, Mexico. There was, there was a team of us from Revive that went to Mexico, and uh, Jonathan Whitehouse was part of that uh, part of that team. And on the on the plane uh, on the flight going out to Mexico, um, Jonathan Jonathan turned to me and said, "Andrew, I believe that you are going to see blind eyes open on this mission trip." And uh, when, he, when he said it, I thought, uh, wow, you know, uh, I'm going to really need some faith. That when, uh, you know, when someone comes and they say they're blind, I'm really going to need uh, more faith than I've got right now uh, to pray for someone that's blind and see their eyes opened. Well, we got there and, you know, the, the first day, uh, Jonathan came up to me again. He said, you're going to see blind eyes open on this trip. And you know what? It was like every breakfast, every lunch, every evening meal, Jonathan would say to me, you're going to see blind eyes open on this trip. Uh, and as we, as we went into the meetings, uh, you know, every, every, before every service, Jonathan was saying, Andrew, it could be tonight. You're going to see blind eyes open. Well, about four, five nights in, they came to me during the ministry time. There's someone that's here that's blind. Well, you know what? Jonathan had put so much faith in me that I only needed a little bit of faith uh, myself. I just laid hands on that woman. The power of God touched her and her eyes opened. 
wasn't my faith. It wasn't supernatural faith. But actually, it, it, was, it was a combination of my faith, the gift of faith from the Holy Spirit, but also Jonathan as well, encouraging me, putting faith in me. Friends, that's why we need each other. That when we don't have faith for ourselves, we've got the body of Christ to encourage us and to put faith within us. Um, uh, let me uh, just read to you uh, from, uh, from 1 John for a moment. First uh, John chapter uh, 1 verse 3, John writes, We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we are fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Wow, thank God for the precious blood of Jesus. That blood that has washed us and cleansed us. It means that we can have fellowship with God. We can have fellowship with Jesus, fellowship with the Father. Wow, I don't know about you. I'm sure many of us have got incredible testimonies of just the intimacy that we've been able to cultivate with God in this past year. When we've been in our homes and we literally have just been sat at the feet of Jesus just on our own just spending time with, with the Lord. But here John says that's only part of the gospel. Yes, the blood means that you can have fellowship with, with him, but also the blood means that now we can have fellowship with each other as well. And this is truly remarkable in a world where there is so much division, whether it's whether we're divided over face masks or whether we're divided over Brexit. And of course, the media loves division. If there's not division, it makes up division. But in the midst of that, you've got the church where there's love, where there's unity, where there's family. We might believe all kinds of things, but we're united because we're part of a kingdom, a kingdom that is above politics, a kingdom that is, a, that is not of this world. We're part of a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And of course, we've got a king and his name is Jesus. And we can gather together united with our love for him. Speaking of Jesus, um, of course, there's the amazing promise in Matthew 18 that where two or three gather in my name, there am I in the midst of them. If, if, there's, if, there, if you're not excited about going back to church yet, get a hold of that promise. I know we've said it many times, the Holy Spirit is not locked down. The Holy Spirit is with you in your home right now. God can touch you. But there is an extra dimension when we gather together. Jesus specifically promises, I'm going to be there in the midst in a special way. I'm, I'm excited over the weeks and months. I believe in as we gather together, we're going to have times of glory, times of encounter. I'm believing for miracles. I'm believing for signs and wonders and salvations. Come on, Jesus loves his church. He's with his church and he promises to be with his church when it gathers together in his name. Just as I, as I prepare to come to a close, um, speaking of church, 
Um, wasn't that incredible? The video from uh, New Life Support earlier on. That is church, isn't it? That's church in action. That even though we've not been gathering on a Sunday morning in person, the church has very much been alive and well, helping people, reaching people. And I believe that over, again, these coming weeks and months, there is a harvest ready to be reaped. Um, remember when uh, Peter gave that revelation of who Jesus is? He said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And, uh, and Jesus' response was this, um, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. Flesh and blood hasn't revealed this to you, but my father in heaven. He said, you are Peter, and on this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. There's been a lot of discussion from theologians over the years. What was the rock that Jesus was talking about? Some people say that the rock was Peter himself, that, that Jesus said, I'm going to build my rock at my church on the foundation of my apostles. Some believe that the rock was Jesus's, uh, sorry, Peter's confession of who Jesus is, that the church is built on the lordship of Jesus. There's maybe truth to both of those things. But Jesus made this statement in Caesarea Philippi. Caesarea Philippi, you can look at it today on Google. Um, it's literally a rock. Um, but it was a place in the time of Jesus of incredible demonic activity. It was a center of idol worship. There was prostitution that went on there. There, there was all kinds of evil, demonic, dark things that went on in Caesarea Philippi. There was a cave there, and the mouth of that cave, it was, it was believed to be a gateway to the underworld. It was known as the Gate of Hades. And I can see Jesus right there at the gate of hell in the darkest, most evil, most satanic place. And Jesus looking at his disciples and saying, right here is where I am going to build my church. They were used to the house of God, the temple in Jerusalem, gold, um, glory, silver, you know, all beautiful architecture. That's what they associated with the house of God. But Jesus took them to the darkest place and said, right here, I'm going to build my church. And you know what? The gates of hell will not overcome it. Church, we got to get our boots back on. We got to get our marching boots back on. We got to get some fire within us. We got to get some passion within us. And we got to get a work. We got to realize there is a world that needs Jesus. And the church, we got to write be at the heart of, of our city, of our towns, of our communities. And we got to realize we are here. We're coming out of lockdown and we're going into the mission field. We're going into the harvest field. I believe every one of us have got a part to play in that. I believe church in this next season is not going to be about the church putting on meetings and events and outreaches, although there'll be a part of that. I believe each one of us as the body of Christ we're going to be empowered, we're going to be deployed, we're going to be sent out, we're going to be the church wherever he sends us. I was in a business right here on Kingswood just a few weeks ago and, and because of COVID, that whole business is shutting down here in Hull. 60 odd people losing their jobs, 60 odd families not knowing um, how they're going to pay the rent or the mortgage. That, is, that story is going to be multiplied many times over in Hull and in other parts of our nation. But, but 
in the loneliness, in the poverty, in the depression, in the mental health crisis, in all of that, there is an opportunity for the church to march on the gates of hell and to reap an incredible harvest. Let me close with this story. I, I remember being in Argentina a few years ago, getting some people from Revival with me. I was doing an open air service and uh, th there were three teenagers uh, who were not churched at all and they were not part of the, the gathering. You could tell they were just on the outskirts, just curious, what were these strange English people doing in, in their town in Argentina? And I was preaching on the touch of God and I was preaching, you know, God wants to touch if you're sick, if you need salvation, if you need deliverance, wherever you're at, God, Jesus wants to come and touch you. And we close the service. Um, and then I started to walk back to the place I was staying. And I realized I was being followed. I turned around and these three lads were following me. And, uh, you know, I said to them, are you okay? And, uh, and they said to me, um, you were talking tonight about God touching people. And I said, yeah, that's right. And this was their response. Three unchurched young people. Will God touch us as well? And in those three, the, 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 the statement that those three lads made, the question, I believe I heard the cry of a generation that's crying out for God to touch them. And of course, the answer is yes. I remember I led those three boys to Jesus right there in the street. Friends, right here in Hull or wherever you're from, there's a city, there's a nation crying out, will God touch us as well? And church, it's time to shake off, um, you know, all the, the kind of the habit that we've got into. It's time of these next few weeks and months to gather together as a church. To, I, I'm excited to, to sing, to pray, to encounter God together, but also to get sent out, get fired up and sent out, ready to see an incredible harvest. I believe the church's best days are still ahead of her. I believe revival is coming to our nation. Come on, church, let's do it. Let's do it together.